Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the National Hockey Now Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now, Wednesday, May 31st. Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith. Uh, This is our, I guess, Stanley Cup final preview show, if you will. And and we will get to a lot uh, of breakdowns, discussion, analysis, and previewing the Stanley Cup final, which is now set Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. Uh, But we've got another great guest joining us here today. And, man, he's got uh, a lot of uh stories to tell us about uh, what he's gone through in his hockey playing career which includes almost 20 games in the national hockey league with the uh, los angeles kings uh he played of course with the kamloops blazers in junior western hockey league team that is now in the memorial cup this year uh he played over in europe for many years uh, upwards of in, at the professional level almost uh, 17 years more than 20 if you include the junior uh, days but uh, happy to have uh, jared allen joining us here on the Ice Guys Show. Jared, welcome. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you've obviously had uh, gone through a lot. We'll get to that. But uh, talk about how it began. Uh, obviously, Kamloops Blazers, Western Hockey League, uh, ended up getting drafted, of course, uh, into the uh, National Hockey League. After that, uh, spent uh, 17 games with the uh, Los Angeles Kings, the 2002-2003 season. So junior transitioning into the NHL. Start there. Uh, so I was junior, I was, you know, junior, I went through some, some good times some bad times. I actually, you know, started my draft year as a very highly ranked prospect. And then, you know, I was leading, uh, leading the WHL in points at that point with 23 points in my first nine games. And then, uh, ended up having bad luck with, I went to hit a guy at key arena in Seattle there and my skate blade got caught in the boards and then he fell on my ankle and it got an avulsion fracture and tore all the ligaments. And then, uh, my coach at the time gave me a few weeks off and then made me play with basically a torn up foot. So I had to tape it like a cast and then remove it every period and then tape it like a cast and remove it again. And then just to get the circulation back. So I was basically playing on one foot. So I went from 23 points in nine games to 55 points in 57. Um, And I remember Colorado meeting with me in Calgary before the draft and they still wanted to choose me in the first round, but they were worried that I wasn't going to make it through junior because we didn't have any toughness. So I ended up going 47th to Colorado. So they were happy that they still were able to land me and not give up a first round pick just in case, you know, I wasn't able to survive junior, but uh, we ended up getting Colton Orr the next year. So that was a big bonus, but went to Colorado's camp, you know, with all the legends the year they won the Stanley cup and um, probably my best, pro camp ever because you kind of go in you don't have huge expectations you just basically go in and play your game and and I ended up being the last cut there and then um, getting a call from Colorado halfway through the season to go up and play because they had a bunch of injury problems but um, I wish I knew better at the time but you hire an agent that's going to look out for you but unfortunately this one was looking out for his pockets and um, they wanted to bring me up uh, to play some games and he wouldn't allow it unless they guaranteed me 10 games and um, offered a little bit more money. Whereas, you know, the reality is, is who knows how long I would have stuck around. I could have been there all year. You never know. And, um, so that's the one thing I look back on that, you know, I had control of, but I wish I understood a little better on, on protecting me. Cause I mean, 
to sit with Ray Bork, Joe Sackick, you know, Patrick Waugh, Peter Forsberg. That's what I was going to ask. Was Nito Nito that Tongue, that like you got Adam Foote. You got all these yeah. guys there that, you know, money can't buy, buy those kind of life lessons and hockey lessons and experience right. just to learn from them. Because um, watching those guys in camp was... Were you um, in awe? Yeah, like Joe Sackick and Steve Eisenman were my favorite players growing up. So to be with Joe Sackick and on his team in the inter-squad games and and that kind of stuff was was fun and and you know like I said I I you know inter squad games I, there's one game that sticks out big time because I was on one team and then went to go practice but then I got taken off the ice to go back to play with another team um, so I got put on Sackick's team and then I remember going to the bench the game had already started and then getting on the ice I didn't even have a chance to really look up and Patrick Wall was the other goalie but I didn't I hadn't really paid attention I was kind of just like okay focus get going and um, I remember getting a pass from um messier to the slot and go on shelf on and then be like whoa and they're like because i just scored on patrick law and i was like this is nuts like and then um and i ended up actually getting two goals and then scoring the shootout winner in that game and sakic was was actually a big cheerleader for me then and and so it was huge because they they take you in and they give you these lessons and then when it came to my first exhibition game um we were playing dallas and I remember uh, Ray Bork sitting beside me and saying, like, no pressure, kid. But when I – my first exhibition game, I got a golden assist. So I expect at least one from you. And then <laughs> there and scoring. No pressure, though. Yeah, scoring on Marty Turco that game. And it's – it's the thing is, is when you have guys of that caliber telling you that they believe in your abilities, even though you're 18, it it gives you a huge confidence boost where, where you know, you're – you got guys looking out for you that want the best for you and they want to see you succeed. And then um, I even remember, you know, after I scored Sammy Hellenius, big cross check to my head, the next shift and um, nothing happened. And Bob Hartley in between periods asking the guys why they didn't um, do anything about it. Cause he said, you know, we got a young guy here. who's was a nice kid. You guys all like him. And then he takes, abuse after scoring a big goal and nothing's done he's like you guys want to be sniffing chocolate and hershey for the rest of the season because that was a that's interesting time. bob hartley says that because there's been some people that have not been big fans of bob hartley uh, you know what my first experience him. with, with yeah. him i didn't like at the yeah. start of camp i didn't like him at all because i got sick in camp and, and he kind of laid into me um ripped me apart um but then found out actually i was sick and then apologized and so actually before my first exhibition game, he called me and he said, Hey, the boys like you. You're a great kid. Um, he's like, and you got a lot of skills. So just go out there and play. We'll take care of you. You do your thing. There's going to be older guys on opposite teams, opposing teams that get jealous of your skill level and they will try and take liberties to scare you. He's like, so just, just play and we'll take care of it. So then when that incident happened and nothing happened, he was pretty frustrated. And then Adam Denmarsh went out and fought him in the next period. Um, but it was, it was pretty cool. Like it's, it's one of those things where you take, you know, AHL players and you can take anybody probably from the AHL and put them in the NHL and you'll never, they'll never look out of place for the most part, as long as they know what they're doing. Whereas AHL, everybody's kind of, you know, you're playing as a team, but you're trying to sell yourself. So you get called up, but at the NHL level, you're not going to produce as easily. But if you know you got to be here and get the puck here and do this, this it's 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 less confusing because there's more structure and guys know what they're doing. So 
that part of it was fun and, and a cool experience, especially as a, an 18 year old to, to go there and, you know, be with, be around so many legends. And to be in that camp, you know, we're talking Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg, you know, Patrick Waugh, Raymond Bork. And I'm so glad they won that damn cup for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, he deserved it so much. He had such a terrific career. Uh, the only thing missing was he didn't have a chance to win it in Boston where he played most yeah, of his career yeah. with the Bruins. But the fact he was able to get one, I mean, everyone was thrilled for him because that was the only thing missing from his just historic Hall of Fame career was this winning that Stanley Cup and be able to win that. And that call that Gary Thorne had at that moment with him raising the cup, people will live that on forever. Uh, and yeah. after 22 years, Raymond Bork, I mean, oh, just yeah. an incredible uh, moment. Uh, it was so great to see that. I mean, for you, as he just a young kid, essentially straight up from uh, the, the junior ranks in Kamloops to be on the ice with these guys. I mean, you're just thinking, wow, this is special, right? Yeah, it's and, and you know what? That's I think that part of it is somewhat missing from the game a little bit nowadays. I think like because younger players are given so much opportunity right away to be the man, whereas when I was young, you had to like play with the fighters and then you had to work your way up the lineup and still produce is, you know, these young guys come in and they're given all this opportunity that they're not as like, I love their confidence, but they're not as like, holy smokes, like, look at this guy, this guy, this guy. But the guys who grind their way to get there, those guys, when you hear them interviewed, they're like, man, I, I was, you know, like for me, when I played against Mike Madano, watching, he had the, it was one of his best games where he did the one-handed Forsberg goal and he had two goals and assist and his jersey's flopping around everywhere as he's buzzing around the ice. To me, it was like incredible to be around that and i think sometimes now young kids take it for granted when they're very highly touted um whereas you see a kid like connor bedard who still says he has lots to prove and you know what i mean and and so you want the balance of the confidence but you also want them to have that eagerness and excitement to be like holy shit like i'm with i'm sitting here i'm on the ice with connor mcdavid and i'm on the ice with you know any anybody matt barzal like it doesn't matter mckinnon it doesn't matter but just these guys who who have had such an influence on the game in the last little bit here to to see that excitement but no question uh you ended up going back to junior after the colorado experience right i'm pretty sure of that yeah. you had that in, that's when you had that amazing season right the 100 points uh yep. that you had in 70 plus games so that was just an incredible uh, junior season that you had but ended up having your rights traded from Colorado to LA. How did that come about? So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't where Colorado didn't want me. Um, it was LA got to choose who they wanted. Um, so the trade was already made. I hadn't been traded yet. It was the prospect to be named later. So a couple of scouts, Ace Bailey and Mark Davis were following me and some other players around junior. And I met with them for lunches and dinners and got to know them and they got to know me. And then, I was the guy they wanted and and so you know it was it was a huge honor for me to be just a part of that trade because obviously Rob Blake's a, a massive legend and just to, to go to a city that wanted me but also not be released from a city that didn't want me it was more so they didn't have control over it yeah. um so you know I was excited my world junior coach used to call me Hollywood he thought I had a Hollywood personality so it was kind of fitting to get traded to LA um, but then woke up for my first training camp and uh, turned on the TV and 9-11 happened and, and, you know, everybody was devastated and but then get to the, get to the rink to have the big pre-camp meeting with the whole, um, everybody at camp and um, kind of see that 
that, you know, as expected, the mood was down, but it seemed a little like closer to home than we all thought. And then that's when I found out they pulled me aside and told me personally um, that Ace and Mark had died in a plane crash and in 9-11. And so obviously your heart sinks for, for the organization and their family and, and the, the people really close to them. And and then for me, it was, it was, you know, I lost two, two people who I saw as role models and mentors for me in the, in the organization, but also then didn't have scouts in my corner who knew me. And so now I had to prove myself again from, from the bottom and deal with the political side of scouts pushing their players and, and, and that sort of stuff. But you always find a way. And, and so I uh, went to the minors and then proved myself down there and earned myself a few call-ups. Yeah, and uh, so the the season you ended up uh, playing in the regular season for LA was the uh, 2002. You were split between Manchester, the affiliate, uh, in the AHL and uh, the Kings that year. Uh, you were at, with the Kings 17 games there. Uh, and uh, by the way, it was Andy Murray. I remember Andy Murray was the coach of the uh, Kings uh, at that time. How was he as a coach, Andy Murray? He was good, very attentive to detail. Like if he told you a practice was 43 minutes and at the end of practice, if he said, how long was practice? And you didn't know you're in trouble, but if you knew, and then you look at the clock, it was exactly like bang on 43 minutes. Um, he was good. Um, he, he, you know, back then it was different. Like when you're a young guy and you're brought in, you played with, you know, the, the bottom half. Um, so I really didn't, you know, I have four points, I think in 17 games and, three of them were in the same game. It was the first game I got more than six minutes ice time and, um, you know, got to prove myself and made a believer out of him and me. Um, but then unfortunately had my injury the following year, but, um, very, very detailed guy, very, um, stern, you know, kind of like Bob Harley guys either liked him or didn't like him. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of, I guess, like politics nowadays, you're either way over here with him or way over here with him. And that's how, yeah. how people were. And, and so, you know, there was things I really enjoyed about him. And then obviously like anything, there's things you don't agree with, but it's uh, it's part of life. And so at the time, you know, you had this incredible junior run, you know, people thought very highly of your skill level and, you know, and, but then it would seem like the next few years as you were mostly in the AHL, the injuries mounted, the injuries accumulated, the increased. And obviously when you suffer the amount of setbacks from a physical and injury standpoint, like you did, it's going to wear, wear you down. It's going to take away and limit your abilities to a certain degree. Um, talk about those struggles, which unfortunately, you know, I'm sure played you quite a bit in the uh, later two thousands there. Yeah, it actually, you know, it started in junior with with the coach forcing me to play with an injury that I probably should have had surgery on and then kind of, you know, without getting too detailed about it, but kind of telling the, he, he to, to put it in short, Mark Recchi now owns part of Kamloops Blazers and told me that yeah. when I played there, he wished he had a coach that coached me instead of competed with me. Um because that coach used to always compare his stats with mine and say he had no toughness and I got to play through it. And I lived with my grandma and he didn't care if my grandma died and all sorts of stuff. And, and I was never a bad kid, so I didn't yeah. understand it. Um, but obviously there was some either jealousy or competitive side to him. So it started there. And then, um, you know, then I kind of, you know, after the, the tragedy with Ace and Mark, I started to prove myself in LA and then um, LA wanted to kind of make a statement to Anaheim about whose prospects are better because Anaheim made the Stanley Cup final that year. So even though myself and Mike Camilleri already played a year of pro, yeah. um, LA put us in the rookie tournament. Yeah. 
And then, that, by the way, that was I just want to step in. That was the Babcock Anaheim team in 2002. Yeah. That was the Jaguar team in Korea. Yeah. You know, when Stevens leveled him, he got back into the game and scored. Oh, that yeah. was that Anaheim team. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, I played in that tournament, and I remember Mike Camilleri's helmet getting, you know, knocked off, and Shane O'Brien going after him. And so I just put my stick in front of O'Brien and said, hey, don't fight him. Fight a tough guy. Like, fight Peros, because Peros was on the bench. And so he decided to fight me instead. And and it was fine. Like, you know, I, I wish I actually had the video, because a lot of people probably don't believe it. But it was a good fight. And then I, in my head, I was like, um, I got to, I don't want to break my hand. Cost me my career or whatever. So I tried to flip him over. And um, when I pushed him to flip, I pulled his pants towards me and then pushed his shoulder to kind of get him off balance. And then he hit the boards. And so when I pulled him back, I stepped on a stick and my shoulder was extended and he fell on me. So I snapped my bicep tendon and then tore everything in my shoulder and um, missed uh, seven months of the season and um, ended up getting traded to Washington. But um, um, only to find out like one of my shoulder injury was one of the bot biggest, most botched um, shoulder surgeries anybody's ever seen because it's been it was done upside down. Um, so you know I've had arthritis and zero mobility really in in that shoulder since I was twenty. And um, so and that's your left shoulder, by the way. Yeah, it's my left shoulder. So if I if I try and go like this, like that's as far as it goes. If I try and bring it out this way, like wow. I can't bring it out that way, and I can't bring it overhead. And um, so it it was tough and and. Um, it's no excuse. Like I still felt I was capable of producing and, and playing well, but I also understand. And I wish um, there was more open and honesty in, in this part of the game is, is I get it. I was a 20 year old. If you don't want to invest in me because you're worried, I'm not gonna, you know, have longevity, just say it. Don't start reducing ice time and start trying to beat my confidence up and say, what happened to you and all this other stuff when um, you know, there were, one game I got four points in the minors and then I got scratched the next game. And it's like, okay, what's going on? Like they didn't want me to succeed. It felt like, um, but I didn't know that. So then I started to question everything. Like maybe I'm not as good as I used to be. And, and so, and then, you know, obviously then you even, you'd hear it from friends. You'd be at a barbecue in the summer and they're like, Oh, you uh, like not friends, more like acquaintances of good friends and being like, Oh, well, if they're needling you about this, I was going to say, what kind of friends are they? Yeah, yeah it's like, you were so good. Like, why did you quit working so hard? And, and, you know, you flopped and, like, you had so much opportunity. And, and or this guy's way better than you. And this guy's way better than you. And all you can do is just say, yeah, like, that guy's a good player. Or, like, um, and then just try and be kind. Be like, you guys have no idea what what my side of all of this is. And, and I'm not making excuses. Like, I'm a realist. I'm, I have a big quote that. You know, excuses are the nails that build a house of failure. And I'm a big believer in that. So I'll take accountability too. I think there were times where, you know, I relied on my skill and didn't, I did enough, but I didn't do more than enough. So like I did what everybody else was doing, but when you want to be the best or, or stay as a high prospect or a highly respected talent, you got to do more than everybody else. And, uh, right. and that doesn't mean you spend six hours in the gym. That might mean you, instead of shooting 500 pucks, you shoot, 200 really good shots every day not just shoot to shoot but you're shooting quality and doing you know putting in the work that way um so there are obviously uh, i'll take accountability for that but then there's also the side you can't control so you, you put up numbers and then you get sat or or the the constant beating of your confidence or, or 
you know, all, all those things. And the physical side of sports to me is the easiest to overcome, but it's the mental and trying to remind yourself to be confident and, and that you are one of the best and, and all these things is, is, is the most difficult. And, you know, you hear it from your parents, but how often do you listen to your parents until you learn the hard way? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's no matter if your parents, you know, they're always telling you the truth, but you, you'd still say like, yeah, you're saying that cause you're my mom and dad. And then it's like, no, it's not going to happen to me that way or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you realize then, something happens like me, hey, maybe they were right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, you know, I wish, so then I started working with mental um, coaches on, on how to stay confident and, you know, watched all my games and it allowed me actually, if a coach was like, Hey, you turned the puck over too many times. This is why you, we pulled you back. And then be like, okay, I watched the videos. I took the pros and cons. They're all here in my notes. I don't see what you're seeing. Can we watch this? And then, because sometimes, you know, coaches, you know, play play their favorites or they associate you with something you didn't do just to have a reason. Um, but uh, that allowed for good conversations and and whatnot. And and I'm not trying to bash, you know, every every team I was part of. I loved. There was things I loved about it, and there was things obviously you you hated about it, but I'm trying to be a realist for people who listen to understand it doesn't matter how good you are. If you get injuries or you deal with people that, you know, you could remind a coach of someone they competed with when they were younger, so they don't like you. Uh, it could be anything. It could be a boys club where, you know, the, this guy was buddies with this guy and you ran his kid over in a, in a game and whatever. It could be something very stupid or it could be something legit, but you can't control that part. So, don't think it's going to be easy because I know a lot of people think, you know, like you're playing in the NHL, you're playing pro hockey, you're playing in Europe, wherever you're playing. It doesn't get easier. <laughs> you know what I mean? The expectations are higher. The mental side of it is very difficult. But you have to find a way to focus on what you can control and show up with a good attitude and a way to respond and sell yourself all the time because it's it's. Um, it is a grind on the body and on the mind. And, and as much as it's, it's, you know, a, a great lifestyle, you make a lot of money. Um, there's a lot of sacrifice these guys go through. Um, there's, there's, you know, they're sacrificing their bodies. Like I can't lift my kids over my head. Um, but all those negative setbacks, when you get to hold a trophy or you get to show your kids pictures of when you played or a hockey card or, or the, the friendships you made and, and the lessons you learned and life lessons you learned, um, you can't replace that. And so, I mean, if I could do it all over again, I would 100% chase the NHL dream again. But I, I, I wish someone along the way would talk to you and say, Hey, I know it's your dream, but you got to be ready for this. Not just, you know, you got to be big, stronger, faster, all that stuff, but you got to be mentally capable to handle someone telling you that you're not good enough anymore. That. And you felt you didn't deal with that as well as you could have. <laughs> yeah, I started to believe it. I started to believe like yeah. maybe I'm not. And then I, you know, changed my game a little bit. And then that's when I took time off because I was dealing with my shoulder and I was like, I'm not having fun anymore. Um, and I'm a big believer that if you don't enjoy what you're doing, then you got to try and find something else to do because time's the one currency you'll never get back. Right. So you got to make the most of it. And um, so then I took a step away from hockey and then a buddy of mine said that, the coach from University of Calgary was really interested in trying to get me in to play. And I was like, okay, if I can get into school, then perfect. So got in. And then that's when I really started to love the game again and, and found my confidence again. And you were 25, 26 at that time, right? Mid-20s um, were there. Yeah. Yeah, 25, I think. Yeah. Um, 
solve, you know, I played 14 games that year and had fun and, and enjoyed it. And, and then, you know, went to Oilers camp after that and they wanted me to be their first call up guy. And I told them I've heard, heard that before and they could have been being honest. Um, but I needed to protect myself at that time. And so I said, I was, you know, appreciative of that, but I'm going to take my talents to Europe and then, you know, kind of reignited my career from there and had a lot of fun and, and, you know, felt appreciated as a person and as a player and, and really enjoyed my time. No doubt. And, you know, you're, and that's what I wanted to finish off with that is the European part of it. You know, we've had so many great guests, current and former players, Jared, so many good ones and not a soul on this show has ever said a negative word about the experience of playing in Europe. No one. No, no one has said in terms of just the landscape, the beauty of the areas, whether it's Germany, Italy, Switzerland, Sweden, you know, any country that they've played in Europe, even the UK where they have the EIHL. Oh, the elite yeah. It's incredible how many guests we've had that played in that league, you know, the last few years as well. Um, nobody says a bad word. It's, it's an incredible experience and it's almost like, you know, you're, you're there because, you know, you're not getting the dollars, obviously you get, you know, in North America in most leagues, but at the same time, you're there for the love of the game. You love playing, you have the passion for it. You're obviously maybe in a lot of cases going to get a greater opportunity, you know, with a lot of these teams and that's why you're there. That's why you're in for it. Oh yeah. It's, you know, I got to experience, uh, Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, and, uh, finish my career up in the, um, UK league. So I could get my master's degree. But it, it is true, like it's, you know, for one, as an import, you're going to get every opportunity to succeed because they brought you in, they're only allowed so many. And so it's up to you to either ruin that opportunity or, or run with it. And um, I was fortunate to find an organization in Sweden my second year that really believed in me and trusted me and, and, and you know, allowed me to play my game. And, and I loved it. Um, the fans there, when my mom got sick, you know, they had a banner up that said, win this fight, Mrs. Allen. And then when she passed away at the end of the game, um, they had a banner when my first game back after she passed that said, rest in peace, Patricia Allen. And I don't think there's ever been anything done like that for a player's or an athlete in general's family member. Wow. I mean, you it's see it with themselves, yeah. but to see that, so that, that picture went viral. There's one of me in front of the fans, uh, kind of teary eyed and pointing up at my mom with with the big banner in the background, but, uh, you know, as, with all the achievements I've had in my career, that was probably the most rewarding because I was recognized for who I was as a person, not just what I was doing on the ice. And, uh, my parents were big believers in, you know, hockey will speak for itself, but you have to be a good person first. And so I think that was a big reminder and would have made my mom proud. Um, that she was recognized because of how I carried myself. Um, so, I think that's the difference between Europe and North America is in North America, buying a ticket is very status. Like I'm going to bring a, bring a client to a game. We're going to chat business and then, you know, playoffs, different story. Everybody's going bonkers, but in Europe, those fans are, they're cheering for somebody. If you're at the game, they're cheering for somebody and it's, it's loud. They're proud. It's very competitive. And, and then outside of it, it's, you know, the, traveling and touring around and, and uh, the life experiences and, and, scenery and places and and you know monuments all these different things you get to see is is incredible and then you know they don't have the processed food like like we have over here so every everything is delicious over there and um it's just it's just a really i wish i actually did it earlier instead of missing those three years but um you know things happen for a reason and i'm happy where i'm at and met the 
you know, the girl of my dreams and have two beautiful kids. And so, so life is good. Yeah, exactly. And so you played, you know, you played several years in Europe, Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, ended with Manchester in the uh, EIHL over in the uh, UK uh, in 2019, 2020. So then you hung up the skates and uh, called it a career. And uh, so what are you doing currently? I know you're doing lots. You're staying busy right now. Yeah. So I've been, uh, I've coached a few minor hockey teams in the last few years and then also doing a bunch of skills work and, and, I worked in a facility teaching kids and well, anybody, juniors, pros, kids, um, shot technique and, and stuff that I've been studying since, since I retired and probably should have been studying while I was still playing, but, uh, it's been fun. You know, I, I, I mentioned to you before the show started that, uh, the nice thing about all the, you know, pros and cons with the experiences I've had is that I can relate to anybody, you know, I was a very highly respected top prospect you know, expect to go really high in the draft and have a long NHL career and it didn't pan out, but I, I knew what it was like to be at the top. And then I knew what it was like to, you know, lack confidence and not feel appreciated and not in control of, of my opportunity. And then also the adversity of injuries and trying to come back from an injury. And, and so. And hearing the know, narrative as negative as it was for you at the time. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm able to relate to, to, pros that I work with and juniors yep. that I work with and then the young kids too. It's, it's, um, you know, I think it's important with anything in life that you need to hear all sides of everything. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. Everybody says, Oh, I could play in the NHL. Like you pay, you pay me this much. I'll play in the NHL. And then it's like, okay, it's easy to say that until you got people ripping you apart. If you have an off day or, or whatnot, it's, it's, you know, or to get up at six in the morning and do this or do that. And I, I know a lot of people do it in other aspects of life. And, and hockey is definitely, you know, a dream job, but it's not, you know, all, all bells and whistles like everybody thinks it is. It's a lot of sacrifice, hard work, mental toughness, because um, you're basically exposing yourself to the world and letting everybody come at you kind of. And, and, you know, like I can make a mistake at my work right now. Nobody probably even notices. I make a drastic mistake or, or a minor mistake that could cost a game. Everybody notices. Everybody notices. Coaches, fans, ownership. Man. Yeah, and, and a prime example is my, uh, my young 2011 group um, made huge strides this year and, you know, was beating the top team who was beating everybody our last three times playing them. But then in the semifinals against a different team, we lost in overtime. And, you know, there was a turnover that took place and then they went down and scored. And... I made sure to remind parents like, Hey, be proud of the kids. I don't want to hear anybody talk about that mistake because it's, you know, gets magnified by a hundred because they scored, but those same mistakes happened out throughout the whole game. It's just, it's not, you know, as obvious because there was no goal afterwards. And, and, you know, the nice thing is Mike Smith's son was on my team and he helped coach with me sometimes. And, and he was great, like super positive, but also could relay those messages. Like, what are you getting upset about? That same mistake's going to happen in the NHL tonight. Yeah. So don't be so hard on your kids over it. If their effort isn't there, okay, now we can talk. And if they're so, willing to learn too, and and you know, learn from it and what they did wrong and how not to, to avoid it in the future. Yeah, exactly. And you know, some parents wonder why I don't yell at the kids and, yeah. and do a ton of, you know, benching. But the reality is, they're kids. It's not a business yet. And if you're looking for you, torts, don't don't look for Jared. Yeah, exactly. Now, how do you teach <laughs> how do you teach kids to want something if they're doing it out of fear that you're gonna yell at them? 
You know what I mean? So Daryl Sutter, Keenan back in the day. Yeah, right? exactly. Like yeah. I, I could, yeah. I could scare the kids, no problem. But then are they doing it because they want to do it? Or are they doing it because they're afraid I'm going to yell at them? And so you're trying to teach that accountability. And, and yeah. every kid says they want to go as far as they can. And I never say who wants to go to the NHL. I say who wants to play as long as they can. Yeah. Because I think there's this new stigma now, like there's parents building Instagram profiles for their young seven or eight year old and calling them next Sid the kid or like, you know, like. And you got to sometimes tell these style. kids too, Jared, and not just you, actually, anybody. You have to remind the kids, hold on now. There's 12 forwards and six defensemen on every NHL team. So it's like 18 spots for 30 teams. You do the math, 32 teams, you do the math. You know, that's like only a few hundred, you know, in the whole world that can play in the NHL. And that's the problem. There is this this extra pressure. And and my concern, and so I'm going to say this because you guys got a platform, is that when parents do this, and I want parents to really think about this, when you're pumping your kid on Instagram or any social media, and not as a proud parent every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, my son scored a beautiful goal today. But like building them their own Instagram to try and sell all these highlights. No scouts going on there and looking at anybody's Instagram. But what happens is, is if your kid doesn't make it, they forgot who they are. They're known as the next Sid on Instagram. They're not known as, as you know, Jared Allen. And then I don't make it. Where's my mental health? What happens now? And that Don McKelly actually wrote a thing called the hockey sickness, where it talks about suicide and all that kind of stuff from kids, you know, junior, you're suddenly a legend on junior because you got 7,000 people that follow you and then you don't make it. Well, who are you now? And that's why I was very fortunate that my parents raised me to be me first and let my hockey speak for itself. Whereas now there's all this, you know, people putting their kids in everything 11 months a year and like, not letting them be kids. So they already think they're a hockey player. They don't even, you know, they don't even want to play multi-sports and it doesn't matter how many ex-pros because there's tons of them here in Kelowna. Tell these parents, like, take a step back, chill. Let your kids be kids. If they miss the game, they're going to go shoot pucks. They're going to play street hockey. They'll play mini sticks, whatever. But to sign them up for everything just because that kid is doing it isn't beneficial. And their mental state, it's not beneficial for their mental state. When it becomes a business, people will know who they are. The scouts already know who they are. They know where to go. They're not going to your Instagram. I can guarantee you they're not going to your kid's Instagram. You know what I mean? So stop. And, and Adam Oates even said it about Zgrass. He trains Zgrass. And he said, I got to get the Instagram game out of his game. He tries to do it too much. And, and there is this now kids want to chase this viral instead of actually chase hockey. And so it's, I love the skill. I played with fundamentals that. over fancy. That's a lost yeah, art. Exactly. I played with that swaggy P for a bit at that three ice thing before the Canadians weren't allowed to go back. And, and that guy can do everything at full speed and he's really good at it, but he also knows how to think the game. You know what I mean? And, and so, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna go to a baseball diamond and play catch by catching it behind your back the whole time before you can catch it in front of you. So Focus on the fundamentals first. Don't worry about the viral. Focus on work ethic and getting better and loving the game. Not loving what the game can give you. Because if you don't love the game, you're not going to love what it gives you. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of adversity to go through. You're not going to score every game. If you get a, if you are scoring a lot and then suddenly you're on a three-game drought, that's what everybody talks about. So it's it's you have to love doing it and love putting in the work and and loving what it takes to get there. And then when you have bumps in the road, you got to remind yourself why you love it and then battle through it. 
Yeah, it's 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 great great advice. It it, it is, and and not let the ups and downs and the, there's peaks and valleys for everyone's career and everyone's individual hockey seasons. You've got to work through the valleys instead of letting the the criticisms you're going to get for for your struggles or you know beat you down. You've got to keep uh, going through that. Someone in our chat, I wanted to mention this and put the uh, comment up here about your shoulder, uh, Jared. Same uh, issue here, Jared. Same left shoulder. I feel your pain. So JT apparently in the chat has got problems with his left shoulder as well so you yeah, know I want to wish you the best there jt because it's not fun like it's no the, no, the, the thing is with an injury is like you get everybody like my bones are growing backwards and and um you know i get chiropractors and i re- appreciate all chiropractors doctors yeah. acupuncturists you name massage therapists that all claim you know come see me We'll give it you, get you back to normal. We'll get you back on track. And all they can do is help ease the bones pain. Cut off. I need yeah. this, this, this. You might get a little bit of mobility back, but I need bones cut off. I need to rebuild. They still think they can do it. And it's like, I respect your talent, but unfortunately, this is a scenario you're not going to be able to fix without surgery. Yeah, no question. Alex, uh, is there anything you well, want to no, ask? No, so say, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate dealing with injuries. I, I had. You know, I didn't have essentially a, uh, an athletic career because of injuries I dealt with in my childhood, but nothing as severe as the, the things you went through in your professional and junior careers. And it's just like I said, it, it's tough when, you know, you kind of have, you know, this kind of like I said, you know, feeling of resistance against you in, in a way at times, you know, when, when trying to battle and getting back to yourself, you know, mentally and physically. Uh, healthy, but then you know you got teams that have other plans for you and different things. So yeah, so that's hard to navigate. And I think that's something that kind of gets lost on us, especially even you know as, as sports betters and handicappers, we don't you know tend to always kind of look as deep as we should into that and, and think that you know hey you know as these guys who are on the bubble of, of getting called up from the AHL and, and to the NHL or trying to stick around with the team, you know how that can really affect the player and stuff. And so you know telling your story gives all of us kind of a, a, a clearer outlook on how that, you know, journey can be for some players. And I've had to deal with it too, Jared, in terms of my own career. Like there's times I'm one in nine and 10, you know, last 10 recommendations or bets I've made. And I feel like uh, it's a blow to my self-esteem. It's oh, yeah. a blow to my confidence. But have I ever let it shake me or, or say, Hey, you just, you've lost, you've lost your ability. Yeah. You've lost your, uh, you, you know, you, you've, everything you've done that's worked for all these years. And now all of a sudden you're in a bad, bad losing skit. And all of a sudden, you know, you start doubting yourself a bit. I don't let myself get into that spot. All I do is I put my head down and I keep working. The next yeah, and, that's day, the thing. And, and that's why, like, I don't want when I when I speak on my experiences, I don't want people to think I'm just referring to hockey because it's everyday life. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter what you're doing. Uh, when you got to provide and, and, you know, take care of yourself. And then when you have a family, you provide for family. It's, it's the pressure and, and, and being accountable and, and overcoming any type of adversity to get the job done and do it the right way. And, and, you know, secure your, your, um, you secure your job is, is important. And, and so I think it's, it, you know, like you guys said, you guys have both been through it in different scenarios. And I think that's important for people to recognize in this message is that, that, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have the long NHL career I, I wish I had, but I got cool life experiences. I got to have a good career in Europe. I got a great family. Um, I'm still working. I have my health. And you know, before my mom passed, she used to say, it, "You can you can be sad, frustrated, you know, go through all these different emotions, but never feel sorry for yourself." And so, no matter how hard times get, I think it's important for people to recognize, like, you know, I see a guy here in Kelowna all the time. He's got 
um, no legs and very small arms. And he skateboards everywhere wow. in the winter, in the rain with a bag of groceries, sitting on a skateboard, uh, with little boots on, on, you know, like where his, his legs aren't and, and zero excuses doesn't feel sorry for himself and you know it's it's inspiring and but we for some reason you know your girlfriend breaks up to you life sucks you know you get four minutes in this game life sucks it's like okay i got four minutes and and then it's like okay but i'm healthy so i'm walking out of that game i got my health yeah and tomorrow i get to show up at practice and say hey watch this you know what i mean so there's always there's always for some reason we we always focus on negatives and now it's and that's why i try and keep a very positive mindset and you know you go through things but not to let it control your day and, and all that kind of stuff no and now as i said you're running a, a great business you've got uh, multiple kids now a father husband married uh and living you know a solid life now in your life after playing the game for the number of years you did uh and you know obviously in a good spot uh, with that at the moment and like i say as you said to me before the show you're content right now and in a good place so that's that's the main thing, you know, at the uh, end of the day. Are you ready to put your NHL analyst hat on, Jared? Because we'll do a little uh, NHL uh, talk here for the last uh, bit of the show here. Uh, first of all, we want to talk about the uh, couple of uh, news items that have uh, broken the last uh, 24 hours. And there's been a couple. Uh, Andrew Brunette hired as the uh, head coach of the Nashville Predators. The first, I guess you could say, official move by Barry Trotz, you know, as the new GM of the uh, Nashville Predators. John Hines uh, fired and let go. Um, you know, what's funny is I've never been the biggest supporter of John Hines as any, everyone knows. Um, but I gave him credit for at least getting Nashville to play, you know, their butts off in the second half, you know, of the season when they had traded away so many of their, uh, players that were impactful. Grandlin and Janot went to Tampa. And of course, um, Ekholm went to Edmonton, uh, and it looked like they were sellers at the deadline with the intention of not making the playoffs. And yet there they were battling right till the end. And they still almost got in, uh, they didn't quit on the season, and it was a good finish. But uh, nevertheless, it's Trotz's team now. And as uh, anyone knows, uh, a new GM usually wants to hire his own coach, uh, and that's exactly what happened. And I'm glad Andrew Burnett's getting a chance. I thought when he took over for Joel Quenville, who was kind of forced into resigning because of the whole Kyle Beach situation in Florida, when that came to light, and Andrew Burnett did a great job. They had a phenomenal regular season. They won the President's Trophy. I know they got bounced in a sweep by Tampa in the second round last year, which was disappointing considering you're the President's Trophy winners. But as we're finding out, the President's Trophy thing is a fucking curse right now. Oh, yeah. Nobody is winning a Stanley Cup in recent memory when they win that. Look at Boston this year. So I kind of thought it was a, a, a rushed firing of Brunette in Florida. I know the power play also was a big problem for Florida in the playoffs last year. And Burnett sort of took the bullet for that uh, when he got fired, but I'm glad he's getting another chance now uh, with the Nashville predators. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does there, Alex. And it's just, I I'm glad he's getting that second chance because yeah. while it didn't end well in the playoff run with Florida last year for him, he stepped in in a tough spot. Coach Q was forced into resigning and the team just kept on playing well and had that incredible regular season. For that reason alone, Alex, I think he's deserving of another head coaching opportunity and now he gets it here in Nashville. Yeah, absolutely. And there won't be as much pressure on him here in Nashville like it was in Florida. Obviously, you know, taking over for Quinville in, in such a tough spot midseason and, you know, leading a club that was going to be one of the top of the East anyway. 
uh, getting there and then ultimately getting bounced the way that they did in the playoffs. So, like I said, he got uh, you know, a bit of an unfair shake uh, getting uh, bounced there. But now going into this Nashville situation where it's going to be a complete rebuild in, in due time. They've got a lot of things they got to do in, in order to be uh, one of the top teams, even in that division level in the Western Conference in my eyes. So uh, I think he's the right guy to do it. I think he can, he can get things going the right way. And I think with having trots to the GM, you know – Things are going to be uh, built, you know, defensive minded uh, you know, at hand. But I think that would be a little bit of balance there with Brunette. They'll have to, you know, he'll definitely need to get somebody on his uh, staff who can work with that power play and, and improve things on that end as well. But the defense will certainly be there as well. And of course, with, with a goalie like UC uh, Soros, they've already got something to build upon. So we'll be interested to see what uh, Brunette can do down in Music City. Yeah, there's no question. And then the other big piece of news was Brad Tree Living, hired by the Toronto Maple Leafs as general manager. Um, and look, this is not, wow, I'm going to ease into the job here uh, and get hired and maybe get comfortable, have a tour around the MLSE building here for the first two days. Not one bit for Brad Tree Living. He's got some serious friggin' work to do and a lot of it. You're talking about Austin Matthews, no trade kicks in July 1st. Mitch Marner, no trade kicks in July 1st. Expiring deals after this season coming up. Nylander's going to need a new deal. You've got a ton of free agents as of right now, UFAs, that you've got to tend to. What's going to happen to Luke Shen? What's going to happen to Ryan O'Reilly? Uh, what's going to happen to um, Ilya Samsonov, you know, who became your number one goalie last year? They all are going to need new deals. So you talk about a busy offseason, and, uh, you know, we wish him well. But, man, I hope Brad Tree Living knows what he's gotten into because he's got a lot on his plate with this Toronto Maple Leafs team. And pressure, the one thing is he knows a little bit about the pressure Calgary Flames aren't quite Toronto, but it's a Canadian market. And that's actually Jared's uh, uh, where he's from uh, initially, Calgary, Alberta. Uh, but, he, you know, the Flames he did. And he's, I think what the Leafs wanted in him, uh, in their GM and Shanahan, and why they picked Tree Living is he's willing to be bold. He's willing to do something that's uh, shaking up the team, if you will. And he did that, obviously, bringing in uh, Jonathan Huberto and bringing in Mackenzie Weger, uh, of course, in that big-time deal uh, with the uh, Florida uh, Panthers uh, prior to last season. So a shakeup is something he's willing to do. It's the worst kept secret, Alex, in hockey that Brad Tree Living was going to be the next GM. And all I can say for him is uh, he's going to basically go get starting to work, I'm sure, get to work starting tomorrow because uh, the stuff he's got to get done and the stuff he's got to figure out for this team is just, uh, I don't know, the list is probably a mile long. Yeah. And, and the thing is, he's got four weeks until the NHL draft. And like you said, with all those things they're going to kick in on July 1st, the draft being the 28th and 29th, you have to see what exactly he's going to do. And there's no guarantee here that he's just going to try to stay the course and just add pieces and re-sign guys and keep things rolling in the right direction, or at least in a forward direction, I should say, not necessarily right or wrong. But who knows? Who knows if he's been given orders to you know blow this thing up? And he's going to do that on draft night. And we, we see, you know, a big name get moved, two big names get moved. We don't really know. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens the next four or five weeks with this Maple Leafs team. So I've read a story, too, from Elliot Friedman. And Elliot Friedman's usually pretty accurate and, and doesn't really uh, get, th- get things wrong or try to spin things to, you know, that aren't exactly accurate. He's very professional, I think, when he's reporting shit. And what he said about this is apparently when Shanahan talked with Tree Living and with every GM that he interviewed, he kind of expressed to that GM and every GM he interviewed, every potential candidate, I should say, that he didn't want Sheldon Keith fired. He would like to actually see Sheldon Keith hang around as the head coach next year and be brought back. But um, I, I get that he, he likes what Keith's doing there. But at the end of the day, I mean, 
is he right to say that? Because it's up to the GM at the end of the day. You're hiring the guy. If he wants his own coach, he's allowed to hire his own coach. I don't know if I would have said that. Uh, I pr- appreciate that he voiced his opinion on it, but at the end of the day, that's the GM's choice, or at least it should be, whether uh, Sheldon Keefe's retained or he wants his own guy. Jared, I know you're from Calgary initially. Uh, does that make you a Calgary Flames fan? What did you think of Brad Tree Living's the job he did there, and how do you think it'll go for him in Toronto? Uh, I think he, I think he did a good job. I think you know hockey, the game's changed, and I think bringing in old school mentality all the time isn't. And I like Sutter, but I mean I'm an old school player. But I think you know, like we talked about earlier, there's this there's this entitlement with younger hockey players coming up now that you basically have to get coaches in there that get to know each player and understand them as individuals. Because if you try and group them all together, then it's it's it doesn't work. Um, you know, I think he's one of the first guys who who uh, brought in players, you know, outside of the Aginla era and Camilleri and that stuff, but brought in players that actually had a good career in Calgary. Whereas you've seen when I was younger, you know, you, after Lanny McDonald, Joe Neuendijk, and those guys were gone. There was Corey Stillman. There was Marty St. Louis. You know, there were, there were guys that didn't amount to anything in Calgary the way they ran their organization which i don't know why i couldn't tell you but then those guys go off somewhere else and they have great careers um so i think trey living in in toronto will be good i think toronto's biggest problem and, and my wife loves toronto and you know i enjoy watching them play i think their top guys are more concerned about the respect they get for off ice fashion statements and and that kind of stuff and who they hang out with, which I think right. is, I think it's cheesy. Um, Cause I think Matthews is a heck of a hockey player and Marner and, you know, I really enjoy watching them play, but I, I, I get it. The game's changing. And, but you don't see people talking about McDavid and dry outfits all the time and, and Nathan McKinnon's outfits and, and Sidney Crosby's outfits. Cause they don't care. They want to show up to the rink and make a statement. And, and um, I think, I think that side of it, as much as people might not want to admit it, it, it becomes a distraction. Um, cool. I think Justin That's Bieber. That's a fascinating observation. And I'll say that because there's there's some truth to that. You look at the way Matthews and Marner dress going to the game. They got the hats. They got the flashy, you know, you know, bright. And Crosby doesn't. They just a nice natural little suit and tie for McKinnon and McDavid and Crosby and all these other players that, you know, be honest, at playoff time have done a little bit more winning. Yeah. yeah, and and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'd love to be in those guys' shoes and and doing what they're doing in in the NHL. But um, it's just as a as a guy who you know had skill growing up and had big expectations, you you start to try and pay attention to different things. And even you know Zgrass and Anaheim, I'll go back to him. He could put up way bigger numbers if everything didn't have to be flashy. And so you take this new you know coming in. I don't remember the guy's name who was drafted first round from Tampa, but all I do remember, I don't remember his name. But I remember him saying that he was wearing a white suit because he's the best looking guy there, so he might as well be the best dressed. And it's like that mentality when I was playing um, didn't, you know, care. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. People it's, look at you with that funny look. You say something. someone's like comment here that says that's a weird argument. Lots of guys are eccentric and still perform. Who? Patrick Line is eccentric. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Like it, and I'm not knocking them because yeah, they're doing great during this regular season. But when does it become you pay for for how they do the whole 
season, come playoffs, all that stuff. Like if I make it 10 million bucks a year and then I don't have to, I can go golfing after the first round. You know what I mean? You know, you got another eight years of that salary. Like Matthews and Marner, and I love them as players. They're phenomenal players. But they have never done anything in the playoffs. And don't get me wrong, because the year before, I thought Marner's had a good playoffs. I think he set up people like crazy, and they weren't scoring, and Toronto media was still ripping them apart. But, you know, like this year, you got to step up. And I, I agree with them on they just said pass or not. So, yeah, I'll give him credit. But I'm saying you can always pick out a couple out of a group, but I'm, I'm summarizing a big group. And the ones who are too focused on becoming the next Paul Bissonnette, who was smart, you know what I mean? He wasn't expected to go out and score 100 points, but he was expected to stick up for his teammates. Um, he did a good job of it. But I'm saying if you want to focus on that side, you better bring it every day too yeah. in the playoffs and all that stuff. Because at the end of your hockey career, you don't want them saying like, you know, great regular season player, awesome fashion in the playoffs. <laughs> That's no, you want you want great regular season player and winning in the playoffs. If, if the fashion's great, hey, if you can throw the fashion in there and some winning in the playoffs, yeah, exactly. man, and if, you can, if you can do all of it, do it. Yeah, yeah, like, pasta's the exception. Pasta does. Yeah, I get it. If you if you if you feel confident wearing certain outfits and show up to the games and you know look good, feel good, play good, perfect. But yeah. I think there's too much focus on the personality. And I think the game does have to grow personality, um, but you got to do the damage on the ice too. Yeah. I, I think they, there needs to be a blend of both. I, I think there, I wouldn't just say there should just be a, a complete, you know, exodus of, of personality because the, the league definitely needs it. And if, if you look at how the NHL players are getting paid compared to the NBA and the NFL, major league baseball, there's a reason for that because more people are watching. The viewers are higher because of the personality. So you got to have a little bit of both. But I, I, yeah, I agree. You, don't you, want should, be, you, you should sacrifice one for the other. Right. Yeah, you don't want to be boring. It's, it just needs to be a balance. Like if I'm a coach and my players are, are dressed, you know, super fancy and they're not showing up, I'd be like, okay, let's focus more on actually playing hockey. Yeah. Then your picture going on Instagram and everybody critiquing it out of 10. But but in due time, if you got five teams and four of the teams are dressing that way and they're winning this other team that's not, then maybe it's not what the hell they're wearing, it's what the coach is doing. And, and, yeah, exactly. and sometimes you gotta and I don't think this league has enough coaches right now. You could say it's even in the AHL, but certainly in the NHL, where you know they can manage those kind of personalities. If you were to have yeah. an eccentric group of guys who could play their asses off and win cups, but do you have a coach that can really, you need a coach to rein that in. Look at the NBA, look at a Phil Jackson. Oh, yeah. You know, you have yeah. to have a coach who can have those kind of, uh, of differences of personalities and bring them together. I don't even think there's anybody in the NHL that can even do that right now. As a coach. No, and I, and I, I with said, Phil Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's two extremes. Cause I mean, I'm talking about, and I like fashion and that stuff too, but, and I'm, I'm knocking those guys about, you know, really well, I know yeah. And you take Lamorello and, you know, they can't grow their hair out. They can't have a beard. They can't do any of this stuff. And it's like, exactly. so now you're taking away. I've never understood that with him. I never, I still don't understand it. So it's one of those things, again, it's, you, you'll go here and here. And I'm, I'm only talking about that because sometimes I think um, players are too concerned about what all the fans think instead of just like going, 
do your job on the ice and, and, and make things happen. Yeah. yeah, no doubt about that. How much time, Jared, do you have uh, at your disposal right now? I got about another half hour, 45. Oh, very good. Well, we won't be that long, but we definitely want to talk some Stanley Cup finals, and we're going to do that uh, right now. Just an overall series preview. I mean, we'll be on on Saturday uh, at uh, noon Eastern for our game day uh, uh, Ice Guys show for game one. Uh, of the series we'll talk game one specifically today just the series overall series price thoughts any series props uh that um, we're interested in as well and just who we think is going to win and the matchups all that good shit we'll talk about it uh, in just a minute or so we shout out everyone in the chat hit the like button it's been a great show jared uh, you've uh, been awesome to uh, just hear your thoughts and your experiences of playing uh, the game and now we'll get your thoughts on the stanley cup final in uh, just a moment and we will preview the Stanley Cup Finals, Vegas, Florida, coming up right after we hear from Gramco. Support for the Ice Gas is brought to you by Gramco. Whether you or your team's game is on the field, screen, racetrack, court, or the ice, Gramco is for the game. Grown by farmers who spent years developing premium hemp genetics, Gramco provides customers with consistent quality Delta 8 THC products ready for any occasion. Gramco currently offers numerous Delta 8 products, including vape cartridges, disposable vapes, pre-rolls, gummies, wake-and-bake coffee, and more. Gramco offers an enjoyable, legal high delivered discreetly and directly to you. Gramco is also available at many American retailers as well. You can get the best Delta cannabis products on the market shipped quickly and discreetly from Gramco. And if you visit www.thegramco.com, use promo code ICEGUYS, you will get 20% off of every order, and any order that's on the site over $50 will be shipped free with standard shipping. So live elevated with Gramco and check out their wonderful Delta 8 products today. All right. It is time to talk Stanley Cup Finals. It starts Saturday. It's not if the Stanley Cup Finals that I'm sure a lot of people envision, but here we are. Florida Panthers, Vegas Golden Knights, Vegas current series favorite, minus 130. Of course, they have home ice advantage. Game one will be in Vegas at T-Mobile Arena uh, on Saturday night. Um, we did a pre-recorded Ice Guys show yesterday with Jimmy uh, on the uh, show, uh, if you haven't checked it out. So I gave a lot of thoughts already, but I'll be brief here with talking about this. I think it's a tough series to call. But I'm going to I'm going to I've got a small future piece of Vegas, just tiny, which I, I said I'd take it after they beat Edmonton. And I did. But again, it's not the price you could have gotten before the playoffs. It's not the price you could have gotten with them before the season, certainly. Uh, but I said if they beat Edmonton because I thought Edmonton was going to be the team representing the West, then I'm all in on Vegas. And I'm going to I'm going to lean to Vegas here in this series. But I do feel I, I need to bet Florida a little bit for the series price because Florida's wiped out all my futures really in, in these plays, especially Carolina in the last round. So I'm, I'm going with Vegas. My official pick to win the series is Vegas. Um, but I am actually going to bet a small Florida series price to sort of hedge that Vegas cup future uh, position that I have uh, going into this. It should be a great series. There's a lot of people concerned from what I've read and heard about this, the layoff for Florida, because this is going to be the longest layoff they've had over a week since they beat Carolina Yet they did win game one against Carolina, that marathon quadruple overtime game after almost a one-week layoff from after beating Toronto uh, in the second round. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, the way I see it, though, um, and I said this, I've said this about Florida, too, last round, is that, you know, we saw Vegas or Boston have the edge in terms of blue line. We thought they had the edge in terms of greater depth on the blue line, Boston over Florida. Same with Carolina. And it didn't matter. 
And yeah, one through six, I think I like Vegas's blue line more than Florida with Mar- Martinez and Petrangelo, cup winners, both of them. Shea Theodore, uh, Braden McNabb, outstanding. Zach Whitecloud and Nick Haig. I've said it over and over again, uh, although Jared might be hearing it for the first time. I think it's one of the best third pair defenses in the NHL right now. Zach Whitecloud and Nick Haig for Vegas. You know, they are incredibly deep one through six. There's no question about that. Uh, I think up front, it's a little closer, uh, but Vegas, it's it's hard not to give Vegas a slight edge in the forward group in terms of that because we saw the fourth line for Vegas in the clinching game against Dallas. Who got them going? It was William Carrier with Nicholas Waugh and Keegan Colasar. It was that fourth line that got them on the board, and they were outstanding early in that game, and that's the fourth line doing that shit for Vegas. So it was very impressive. Uh, obviously, we know Mark Stone, the captain's playing on the third line with Stevenson. Chandler Stevenson's had a great uh, breakout season and a terrific playoffs for Vegas as well. Uh, and then you look at the top two lines. I mean, Carlson and Smith have been great on that second line. The top line's outstanding. Eichel with Marcia so who's on fire going into this series. And Ivan Kloshev Barbashev, as I've talked about, Ivan Barbashev has been absolutely outstanding. A great addition from St. Louis at the deadline. Um, so that's a great four lines they've got. You know, Florida, though, with Verhage, Barkov, Duclair. Barkov didn't produce much in the first two rounds, but he got his offense going against Carolina, and he's done a great job shutting down the best players on the other team. What did Austin Matthews do uh, in the second round against Barkov uh, for the Panthers? Not much. So he's been a, a great in the shutdown role, which is what we expect from Barkov. He's one of the better defensive centers, very much in the mold of Patrice Bergeron, uh, in the NHL, no question. Cousins, Bennett, and Kachuk has been a very effective line. Kachuk, it goes without saying, he's been Mr. Clutch all playoffs. Verhage and Duclair have really contributed nicely offensively for Florida. Uh, E2 Coolman, Lusterinen with Lundell and Reinhardt, the third line solid. And then all of a sudden, you saw the fourth line, Ryan Lomberg, scoring a big goal in that clinching game in game four against Carolina. So if they can get the Lomberg, Eric Stahl, Colin White group, you know, making an impact kind of offsets what Flor- uh, Vegas rather has and with their top four lines, but should be a great series. It's tough to really call it um, because of just Vegas is on a roll. Florida, this magic carpet ride, man, it kind of feels stupid to go against that considering just how strong they've been. And I think at the end of the day, assuming, you know, he hasn't had too much time off and the number of games he's played doesn't catch up to him because he is the older of the two goalies, but you do have to give obviously goalie Bob Sergei Bobrovsky, the edge probably, uh, as far as goaltending, even over Aiden Hill, who's been just w- much better and exceeded any expectations that I'm sure Vegas had of him going into this series. So fascinating to see how it goes, but I am going to say Vegas ho- hoists the cup. And it is worth noting, too, these teams that have just barely gotten into the playoffs, other than L.A. that year that they won the cup, many of them that they're just barely getting into the playoffs and they get to the Stanley Cup final, they have lost in the Stanley Cup final. Nashville did against Pittsburgh a few years ago. Montreal did a few years ago against Tampa Bay. So sometimes the Cinderella run from the eighth seed or barely getting into the playoffs, and and they don't finish the deal if they get to the Stanley Cup final. So uh, a tough call, but I'll side with Vegas, minus 130, although from a a betting position standpoint that I'm in with having Vegas futures to win the Cup, I will hedge a little bit on that with Florida plus uh, 110 here in this series. I want to point out Paul Maurice. I said it yesterday. Uh, I'm happy for him. Uh, Jared uh, will give his thoughts too, I'm sure, on Paul. But Paul, to me, is one of those coaches. I could listen to him talk all day because he gives you everything. He's very honest. He's very uh, tr- he's a great speaker. 
That's another thing. He commands a room. You can tell. Uh, and he'll give you so much. It's not two-word answers. Like, he'll go into great detail, be very honest, be very forthright. Uh, the fact that he had the guts to rip his team publicly in that regular season game against Toronto, which I think was the turning point for their season, calling them, you're playing like fucking bitches, is what he said uh, on the bench there. And he, he could tell it. You could tell he was livid. They were playing awful that night. They come back, win the game. They have this great finish in the regular season from that point on when he had that tirade behind the bench, and the rest is history. They get into the playoffs, and now here they are. Uh, red as hot as can be. What a 12 and one, 11 and one in their last 12 games uh, going into this series. So great series. I don't, I don't want to hear the Canadian narrative that, oh, it's a bore series. It's two non hockey markets. It's two teams we don't give us two shits about. I care. I'm Canadian and I care. I'm into this series. I'm interested in it. I think it'll be a good series. It doesn't matter to me who's in the cup final. I, yeah. Do I want a Canadian team to win? Okay. Sure. But it doesn't mean I shut. I'm a hockey fan. You know, and it bothers me that I hear this narrative that in Canada now we don't have to pay the least bit of attention to this final because it's Vegas versus Florida. I care. And if you're a, any kind of hockey fan, you should fucking care, too. I don't like that narrative that oh Canada's out of the cup chase again. We can shut our minds off and our eyes off and not watch now, not care uh, and pretend like we hate hockey. It's a BS mindset. As far as I'm concerned, if you love the sport and you have passion for hockey, you're into the Stanley Cup final for crying out loud. I don't care who's playing. There's my rant on that. Uh, uh, Alex, what do you think here? Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. You know, we, you should should care about the championship in the, in the, in the biggest league of the biggest sport, you know, in, in the sport. But at the same time, I could see where some people may not have as much interest as they would if, with other matchups. Now the reasoning for it, like you said, is is mostly crazy. You know, you got Canadians saying, "Oh, because there's no Canadian team." You got Americans, like I said, here in Minnesota. I know I've already heard heard it. I'm going to hear more of it of the whole. You know, there's no ice in Florida. Or, you know, Vegas just got their team a few years ago. Here they are back in the finals again. You know, they all think it's you know some convoluted bullshit as to why these two teams got here. No, these are two great hockey teams who played their ass off the last several weeks. Won three very difficult series against formidable opponents. And here they are trying to settle it in another best of seven to see who's going to take home Lord Stanley's Cup. So it's going to be an interesting uh, matchup, you know, once the puck is dropped. And however you feel about these teams going into the playoffs or or during the postseason or even just in general overview, is it, you know, you put that aside for what's going to be some good hockey. We're going to see some great narratives and storylines here. And uh, it ultimately will be an interesting series. Now, I lean with Vegas. I've taken some shots with Vegas. Uh, the, the way that I bet this, as far as series goes, is tied a lot to game one. Uh, I've split up a unit between Florida to win game one and Vegas to win the series. I saw that at plus 450 at BetMGM. I also took a shot with plus 145 on Vegas to win game one and Vegas to win the series. Much better price than what you're getting laying 130, laying 135 uh, on Vegas right now to win the series. Also, another great thing to look at if you like Florida to win this series you still are in a better position to take Sergey Bobrovsky to win Conn Smythe at plus 200, as high as plus 250, rather than laying, you know, or taking plus 110 or even laying a dollar five. That's a, the, the other price I've seen with Florida to win this series. Grab Bobrovsky because one of two things could happen. One, Florida wins this series. Bobrovsky being the veteran, being, you know, the kind of season he had rolling into this postseason, didn't even start a postseason as the number one starter. It seems like he's a shoe in to win it on the Florida side. But 
there is that, you know, I like to call it the J.S. Jaguar kind of uh, clause, too. It's something to look at when you're looking at betting a, a goaltender with the Conn Smythe Trophy is that you could have a goalie have a tremendous series, a tremendous postseason, and even if the team doesn't win the Cup, he could be rewarded with playoff MVP. So I think that's a decent look to, to, to throw down on if you do like Florida in this series or even if you're looking to just grab somebody to win the Conn Smythe. This could be one of those years where – if this, you know, this low-scoring series that we've seen the last couple of rounds from, from Florida, and every game's 2-1, 3-2 going in overtime, and Vegas just happens to win the series in six or seven games, where it could have easily swung where Florida wins in six or seven because of the overtimes. Bobrovsky might get rewarded with that. And one last thing I like series-wise, in saying that this could be a tight series, I love overtimes. I'm on the draw in game one. I've also gone back to the well with that overtime series prop bet. Three overtimes in this series at plus 800. Uh, I think this series goes six games. I can easily see three of them going past 60 minutes. And I even took a small sprinkle. This is available at Bet Online, but you might be able to find this as well as some other domestic books too with the increase of props. I have will a game go into double overtime or longer? Just one game in any of the, any part of this series at plus 700. So it's a yes no prop that I was able to find at Bet Online. I took a shot with that. We saw four overtimes in just one game for the Florida Panthers, of course, in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. We saw multiple overtime games that none of them went past the first overtime in that Dallas Vegas series, but still we got there. And with, you know, Aiden Hill not showing any signs of, you know, issues in goal and how good he's been. And obviously it goes without saying with Bobrovsky, you know, it could be a long overtime, you know, if we get overtime games in this series. So double overtime or one game to go to at least double overtime at plus 700, which is a great price, you know, 100 pays 700 on that. Uh, if it wins, you know, it's definitely a, a good price, I think, to take a chance uh, with that. I'll get into my props in a minute. I mentioned some of them yesterday. Jared, what do you think here? Stanley Cup finals, Florida or Vegas? Who are you going with? I think if it's if it's tight, I think if the games are tight, I think it goes Florida. I think, uh, you know, watching the playoffs, Florida is a very opportunistic team. I don't think Vegas has played anybody that's quite as physical as Florida. Like, um, you know, Vegas has their strong decor, but if, if you got Petrangelo frustrated with what happened in the Edmonton series and you got Sam Bennett running him over like he did, you know, was it was Pesci? Slavin. It was yeah, Slavin. Slavin, yeah. Slavin that last game, then then who knows how how they're going to respond because they haven't really been, you know, I don't think they've had any like crazy physical series. So I'm curious in that department, I'm curious how Aiden Hill is going to handle Matthew Kachuk um, passing around the net. Cause you know, it's easy. It's easy when you've had a ton of experience with a lot of games to, to you know, kind of drown those guys out. But when you haven't played as much as you'd like to, to have that guy kind of in your ear all the time. Um, I do think if, if Vegas plays consistently, like I think, that uh, 4-2 loss to Dallas, like, I don't even think Vegas should have been a big part of that game, personally. I thought Dallas kept giving it to them, and then they'd get a goal, and then Dallas got it back, but they got pretty lucky there. Um, in order for Vegas to win, I think they have to buckle down, focus on what they control, not allow the outside noise to play a factor. Um, because it seems like in the playoffs when they did lose, they weren't, they didn't even show up. And so the difference between Vegas and, and Florida, in my opinion, is 
that Florida, every game was a game. Like they, they had to win. They showed up whether they won or lost, they still showed up that day. Vegas has more to offer. They should, like you said, uh, decor their offense has a slight edge. And the only real advantage that um, Florida has is Lebrowski, who seems uh, <laughs> like he's just on a whole other level right now. But um, if Vegas pieces it together and shows up, like Cassidy said, and doesn't try and do all this other stuff where they have those 24 turnovers or whatever, and if they play like they did in that last game against Dallas and, and, and kill their mojo early because they came out quick, then I think they have a huge opportunity to win it because Florida has not been a team that gets a lot of shots. And so if Vegas takes control and and is, and is outplaying them and, and gets up early, um, as opportunistic as Florida is, I don't think they can come back from, from being down because Aiden Hill is a little different factor than what Florida has played in the playoffs so far. I didn't think Toronto's goaltending was very good. Um, so you have – it's it's tough. Like you said, it's a tough series to call because, well, for one, being a Canadian, it's not like we're dialed into those teams all season long. Um, my my father-in-law is actually Chandler Stevenson's agent. So, oh, really? Oh. Yeah, we'd like to, to see that happen. But um, he also owns a bull riding company. This is had it's NFP. It's uh, you got to patent it. It's for no fucking place. Little rodeo, huh? Oh, yeah. But uh, he uh, – so I, I do think, watch the Calgary Stampede. I must say that. Uh, just oh, that's yeah. event I watch every year, and it's I, I get into it a little bit. The bull riding, the uh, the saddle bronc, and all that, those events. Yeah, I don't mind. Oh it. yeah, those guys, those guys are crazy. But I think it, I think it just comes down to, um, you know, watching this first game, see who shows up nervous, see who doesn't. Um, the pressure is on Vegas because they have been there before recently. And so that's another factor that people probably don't think about is how much pressure are these guys. The six I, guys. I think of it the other way, Jared. How much drive this team has in them to win at this time? No, I know, but it goes both ways because it's yep. it's yeah. There's drive to do it, but then what happens if they have a setback? Are they like, oh, right. we've been here before. Like I didn't like it, and or or yep. do they have the character? And only the coach knows the player's character. Yep. Uh, but. Uh, I think it's it's I think it's going to be an exciting series. I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, entertainment. I think it's going to be very physical. Um, but like you, I think Vegas is probably going to be the one to squeak it out. Um, but uh, you never know with with, uh, you know, injuries and stuff, if it is a real physical series on on um, how they handle it, because like I said, I didn't like how when Petrangelo did what he did to dry side all that his comments were, well, they're coming after me. And it's like, well, when you're good. Yeah, you get used to that. You're the you're number one D guy. You, yeah, you experienced it your whole life. So yeah. it shouldn't, shouldn't change how you play the game. You should, yeah. you should actually expect it every game. You're so, number one defenseman, man. You're going to be a target. They're going yeah, to that's my, that's my concern yeah. with him. The same way it was my concern with Ben when he was making excuses about his actions. It's just like, Oh, I went off, Jared. You got to, yeah, you got to come out, or I got to send you the clip, or I got to, you know, point it in your direction. The Jamie Ben show, the rant I did, it was after. Yeah, I, I was, I lost it. I couldn't believe how he handled it from start to finish. No, and that's the thing. They're, they're leaders. Like you're a leader. That, 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 he, that he went out the back door and didn't yeah. say shit after the game, and then he comes back the next day with that candy ass, fucking ridiculous excuse that I was a landing spot. There's no landing spot that says drive the stick into the guy's head. And no, neck I know. Area. And no that's what I'm saying. Like, like, that's that. 
when you're Stop when you're a leader team. of a hockey team, you don't like I said earlier. Excuses yeah. are the nails that build the house of failure. Yeah. And and I think it backfired on Ben the way he handled it because and look he, how they responded for him in his grand return in Game yeah, Six. They were the awful. Night. They were Terrible. awful. And I'm and so when when Petrangelo is is you know the man on D who had a hell of a hockey season shows how easily he can get frustrated. What do you think Kachuk's going to do? What do you think Bennett's going to do coming into the series? Like That's they're going to try and run him over all the time because they know he's going to probably might do something stupid or they know that it's going to take him off his game. So it's all those hidden games within the game that, that it's, it's. And each hit you uh, tack onto Alex Petrangelo or Theodore or Martinez for that matter. It adds up in the best of seven series and a number of games and you feel it even more each time you get hit like that yeah because yeah. i mean even after that bennett hit on slate and i saw i saw lomberg almost catch somebody too so you know they're going to be looking for it yeah so that's that's the only kicker for me is is how durable are the vegas decor when these guys are going to probably most likely be running in there trying to run people over and then will vegas get in front of Bobrovsky? are they going to get to the dirty areas and, and create that chaos for him because i mean you you take his eyes away and you got guys like eichel and marcia shooting box and stone like they got chances so i'm i'm excited for it i wish it wasn't starting on saturday i wish it was starting earlier um it is a long wait yep yeah it's uh but i they but do i that for tv because they don't want the nba and the nhl stanley cup finals on the same night yeah, yeah which makes sense and and you know like people that are like you said that are from canada are like oh is a canadian team that's not in it it's still great for the game like it absolutely is. Yep. Two teams that have never won it that are yep. they're playing for a chance to win it in, in two climates in two cities that any of us would probably love to play hockey in. Um, that uh, I think it's I think it's going to be big. I think both both um, cities are going to be the fan turnout is going to be crazy. Um, you, you see it in Florida where you know you got celebrities. Kepka. They're into it now. Yeah, Kep is there every yeah. every game now. Yeah, showing up, and then Vegas always has their you know entertainment value, and and so I I think it's I think it's huge. I think it's going to be exciting. I think uh, I can't say like I can't even convince myself on who's going to win. That's why I'm not a betting man. <laughs> but uh, but I think it'll keep it exciting for everybody who is betting on it, and and um, I do think it's going to go seven. Um, I always prefer regular season betting, Jared, and, and uh, over the playoffs because there's just more games, there's more opportunities. Like I had a terrific regular season. Playoffs have been up and down because it's, well, it's I mean, well, the thing is too. There's that, like I said, there's the game within yeah. within the game, and like yeah. if if there's a history between players, and I don't know if there is any real history between any players, but it can change a player's level of play at any point. You know what I mean? Like throughout my career, there were guys like yeah, okay, you're you're dirty, but I knew it. But then there were guys who I knew weren't just dirty, but they were very good at hiding it. So it was like, okay, I really have to be aware every time that person's on the ice that I'm protecting myself and still making things happen. And it's not, not that easy sometimes. And, and so it will be, uh, it will be interesting to see if there is any of that game within the game type stuff happening. And, and I'm actually curious to see some of the some of the press conferences and, and kind of mental games that are played and played in those just to get in each other's heads there. And there will be, I'm sure at some point someone will say something that uh, raises a few eyebrows that sometimes happens, uh, especially in the uh, Stanley uh, cup finals. I still remember it uh, from the 93 uh, 
NBA Finals. They ended up losing the series anyway, Phoenix, against the uh, Chicago Bulls. I'll still always remember what Charles Barkley said when they had brought the series back to Game 6 in uh, Phoenix, and Chicago had got the uh, parade planned and the parade route planned after Game 5 in Chicago, and they thought it was already over. Bulls were going to go back home and win Game 5, and sure enough, uh, Phoenix ended up winning on the road, brought the series back to Game 6. That's where they lost, and then Barkley said to people, out in the press conference after, take that shit off the windows. You're not going to need them tonight. All the Bulls championship signs <laughs> that he saw in people's uh, windows. But uh, unfortunately, they got to bring those out after the very next game. Uh, yeah. Game six <laughs> in uh, Phoenix uh, that year. But uh, uh, this just goes to show you, someone will say something like that. Like, it'll just be one of those, you know, uh, deals where, hey, I said something pretty interesting there and often he'll get that definitely in a stanley cup final um i'll just throw out quickly some props we'll get into this more on saturday's show as well anything jonathan marsh is so whether it's three goals or more in the series at a nice plus price whether it's top goal score top point score i like top point score at plus 650 jonathan marsh is so in this series he's not up he's not the favorite but he's a good enough price plus 650 where I think there's definitely value in him being the top point scorer in this series. What did he have, like 11 points in six games to end the uh, Dallas series and at the tail end of the Edmonton series? I think he is just on a roll. And what I love about Marcheseau's game, a little undersized, but, man, goes to the front of the net, goes to the middle of the ice, goes well, to I'm, the I'm top too, right? Yep. Yeah. There's going to be some hatred there where he's going to want to make a statement to Florida. That's an excellent point, man. I haven't even meant I didn't even mention that yesterday. This but it's is funny because and that's it's like we talked about earlier about opportunity and control of everything. Is like you look at Vegas team and how many guys were just taken, even Seattle, that didn't have an opportunity where they were, and now they're thriving because they're given an opportunity. So that is such a good uh, thought to have, and it totally slipped my mind. And <laughs> you just mentioned it, Jared. I thank you a million times over no for saying problem. that. It strengthens my position on uh, Marsha Soap to have a big series. This is the team that punted on him in the expansion draft. Uh, and obviously Vegas ended up swooping him up. And yeah, oh man. And he's playing great. It's like he's hotter than a pistol right now yeah. uh, as well going into the Stanley Cup finals uh, for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, there's no doubt. Yeah, plus 900. There's better prices than even I'm seeing. That was at Bet365. It was plus 650, plus 900. At both, and that's the one I like even more, the point score over the goal score prop because – the points he's been getting, he's been getting a ton of assists too, not just scoring goals. So the point prop is what I really like there. Question for you on the assist thing, just because I was a playmaker when I, I could score too, but I was mainly, I became more of a playmaker. Why doesn't the NHL have an assist award? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a great skill to that. It's a vital part of making a team successful. There's no award. The decide pass instead of shot. Pass up a shot to get a better shot for your teammate kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, well, look at Jonathan Chichu. I'm not taking anything. The guy could score, but Joe Thornton set him up like crazy. I mean, Wayne Gretzky doesn't have a award named after him as a How about Anton Carter with the Sedin? Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But with but with the Art Ross trophy, I mean, usually the guys who win that have way more assists than goals. So that's kind of the de facto, you know, kind of kind of lead into even though it's not always the most assist guy, but I get what you're saying, but that's kind of the award that really kind of rewards that, you know, your overall body of work employee. Yeah. No, I know, but they've just separated everything else. And as a, I just say it because as a minor hockey coach, when you're telling a kid to move to the puck to the guy that's open yeah. and they don't want to, it's like, yeah. well, how do I stress it? Well, no, at that age, you're selfish. You want to score the goal. Yeah, exactly. So 
but I just think there's some recognition there for guys that set guys up a ton. Yeah, Marsh is so obviously in head-to-head point props, I would probably favor him over anybody, uh, JT. So, yeah, if you're interested in that, there's no doubt. But uh, uh, no question. One goal, six assists at home in the last two rounds. Oh, great. Rich is on top of this today with some great numbers here. Marsh is so last two playoff rounds. One goal, six assists playing at home in Vegas. Eight goals on the road. So he's been scoring more on the road. He's been facilitating, and he's been assisting more uh, at home. So very interesting there, Rich, with that uh, stat. Good call by that one fan there, too, on Riley Smith. Yeah, Panthers threw in Riley Smith for – there's right. There's a couple of ex-Panthers that are – to have a chance to beat them in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, Riley Smith's another one, yeah. It's just – yeah, the Florida's the team that they were with that left them unprotected in the – expansion draft when Vegas came into the league because they're they're day one Vegas Golden Knights both of them oh, Riley yeah. Smith and Jonathan Marsh so um, two, uh, two of the six yeah you talk about yeah look motivation is just it's it's a factor in betting and handicapping uh, Jared that a lot of people overrate that everyone look both teams are trying to win a Stanley Cup okay and get their name on the Stanley Cup everyone's fucking motivated don't get me wrong oh, trust me they are no question but I'm talking about that extra personal chip that might be on your shoulder. That extra little, hey, this team gave up on me. This team gave up on me. This team quit on me. If you're Riley Smith, if you're Jonathan Marsh, so that fuels you even more. You know, uh, when you see something like that. And Jared, you can speak to that too. You know, you had people, you know, giving there's up. Always, there's before. always a part of you that wants to give the silent, silent cue without. Yeah. actually saying it you know and, and they'll let their playing do the talking i'm sure yeah exactly and i think there's people in everyday life same thing like you know i that's why i went to that three ice tryout was to one because i had the daughter at the time and i wanted her to see her dad play hockey even though she probably wouldn't remember because she's so young but it was to prove to all these people that knew nothing about my shoulder injury or all the stuff i went through in my career to say hey i i still have skill like it's the skill was never gone but uh you know, you, you, you do it by what you do on the ice and, and not by saying it. So I think there's going to be some some hidden um, extra motivation from some of these players. All right. Uh, good stuff. Uh, indeed. Alex has got to run. Uh, so we'll uh, uh, just get hit. Uh, we don't have uh, you can throw out a best bet, Alex, if you want. But uh, if he does. But yeah, yeah, Alex is going to run in a few minutes. Um, we're going to wrap up the show as well in uh, just a couple of minutes. Uh, as well uh, right now uh, thanks to everyone by the way for joining us hit the like button uh, we will wrap up the show in just a moment I'll, I'll give you a best bet actually even though there's no game today just an overall series best bet we'll give you one uh, before we sign off uh, again reminder to check out patreon.com slash ice guys uh, that again just uh, ten dollars a month for that we've got tons of great patreon exclusive content that we're going to be adding we're going to do a few more segments with uh, current and former players for our patreon members and also excited to announce that uh, we're gonna have longtime nhl a broadcaster who hasn't been uh, in it for a few years now but um he was tsn in the 1990s uh, a lot of world juniors uh spengler cup uh you name it um and a hockey night in canada last decade paul romanuk will be joining us uh, on Monday's show. So looking forward to speaking to him. I mean, he's seen a lot. He's called a lot of games uh, in uh, the NHL world. Like I said, NHL world junior Spangler cup. He did so much uh, in his career and he'll be on with us on Monday. So we are uh, looking forward to that 
uh, on Monday's uh, Ice Guys show at 2 p.m. Eastern. Evan Paul Romanuk uh, joining us, who's actually got a great Beatles podcast going these days. Uh, if you're a big music fan and you love the Beatles, and they are one of my favorite bands of all time, his po- Beatles podcast definitely worth uh, checking out as well. Uh, Jared and I will wrap things up. Alex in our private chat here, uh, Jared saying, "Great meeting you." So. Yes, you can chat with him too and get to know him. Absolutely. Great stuff. We'll wrap up the show in just a moment with best bets. Of course, for Jared, it'll just be who he likes uh, in the series. We'll wrap up with that in just a moment right after we hear from Manscaped. Support for the Ice Guys is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code ice guys that's promo code i-c-e-g-u-y-s at manscaped.com if my math is correct it's about 14 million balls that you can preserve the performance package 4.0 is the complete accessory package to take care of everything that is required you've got of course the lawnmower 4.0 takes care of your facial hair uh, and among other things uh, you've got of course the weed whacker i'm approaching 40 Nose hair has become a major issue. It pisses the hell out of me. I need to take care of that shit, and the Weed Whacker can help you do that. Both of these products, waterproof and a 4000K LED spotlight for a more precise shave, and you'll also be able to take care of those delicate areas with the ball toner, with the ball deodorant, keep you smelling good, looking good, and feeling good down in the nether regions. This complete performance package 4.0, We'll take care of everything for you, for all you guys out there. And it's courtesy of our good friends at Manscaped.com. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ICEGUYS at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And use promo code ICEGUYS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, it is time to uh, wrap it up with uh, Best Bets. Jared Allen, I can't express enough how much I enjoyed it having you on the show. Your uh, stories are um, really uh, interesting, and it's a show of how you know you persevere. You, you go through ups and downs in life, but you keep moving. You keep going, uh, and you push forward, and you're a great example of that. So uh, off, you know, after your hockey days, now that they're done, we wish you well. We wish you your family well. And you know what? We'll probably get you back onto the show at some point because it was just so much damn fun uh, having yeah, you with well, us here uh, on the yeah. show today. I'd love to. I had a lot of fun too. So thank you uh, for having me. And like you said, it's focus on what you can control. And there's going to be a lot of noise, a lot of distractions, adversity, and do what you got to do what's best for you. Absolutely. All right. Who you got now? Uh, Vegas, Florida, Stanley Cup final. Final prediction right here. Who do you think is winning that cup? I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say Vegas. Um, part of me was gonna say Florida just because I think after Keith Kachuk kind of called out the group, they've really responded with some something to prove. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna give the slight edge to uh, to Vegas right now. But I want to you know see game one. But I'll give it to Vegas right now, and my my opinion might change after game one. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm uh, Vegas for me as well. Minus one thirty. Uh, like I said, I'm not taking the series prices. I got this cup future, but I say if you have no 
Stanley Cup futures bet pending. I would say if you're going to bet the series price right now, I would say Vegas because I'm going to go with them in the series. Although personally for me, I'm going to take a little shot with Florida for the position. My best bet here for the, for this uh, series, if you will, I'm going to go with that Jonathan Marsh. So again, uh, top point score plus upwards of plus 900 uh, at uh, a couple of books. But um, that is extreme value. Uh, not only is he in great form going back to the tail end of the Edmonton series, I think it's like 11 points in the last uh, six playoff games or eight playoff games for Marsh. So, but he, not only is he just, you know, on fire offensively, but he's got that angle that Jared thankfully reminded me of uh, here uh, today that he also got let go or uh, unprotected. That's the word unprotected by the Florida Panthers in the expansion draft. So a chance to really show the Florida Panthers organized. Now there's a lot of changes. I'm sure coaching management and obviously personnel since he was there, but uh, uh, no question still it's the organization that said, Hey, we'll leave Jonathan Marsh so unprotected, uh, you know, instead of every someone else. So that, that fuels you. And I expect him to have that in the back of his mind. And uh, like I say, he's just playing so well. And I think he's got a real shot, especially at that price upwards of plus 900 for Jonathan Marsh. So top point scorer uh, in the NHL Stanley cup final. So, I'll go with that for a uh, best bet. Uh, Jared, it's been great. Uh, thanks again for doing this. Thanks for joining us. And we a uh, shout out to everyone in the chat. Uh, Rich H saying great. Jared is uh, one of the best guests we've had. JT saying that as well. So uh, we really do appreciate the kind words. Uh, what's the uh, quick question? Would you please? Oh, uh, he's not a better man, JT. He's always asking our guests, will you join us on the uh, betcasts? Uh, we know we, we have Eddie Lack on the betcast, but he, he's into sports betting big time. Uh, Eddie Lack, now that he's retired from uh, hockey. Um, but, uh, he's invited Jared, but yeah, like I say, he's not, uh, not into the betting side of things, but, uh, like I say, his hockey analysis is great. And that's the thing about this show. You don't have to be into betting to want for us to want you on the show. If you played the game at any level and you know, the game and you have great analysis, uh, definitely, uh, we want you here on the ice guys show, Jared, it's been great. Uh, final words before we, uh, shut her down. Oh, just thank you to everybody who tuned in and for the nice comments. Um, you know, like, it's 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 fun to share my experiences i think it's important for for just anybody in in anything whether you're listening to a sporting broadcast or business or whatever is that it, it's you know the people that have success or or want to learn success have to understand and hear every every part of the journey not just the good stuff and so um you know thanks for uh, for allowing me to be a part of it i had a lot of fun i'd love to come back on and and uh you know chat tell some stories and and just uh, interact with everybody. And like I say to Jared and everyone that's on this show as a guest, if there's ever a time they're, they're, they want to try to throw a couple of bucks on a game, uh, I'd be happy to help. And we'll try, we try to point them in the uh, right direction, no doubt. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us. A reminder, the Ice Guys will be live throughout the Stanley Cup Finals on game days, so make sure you join us for that. For our special guest, Jared Allen, I'm Ian Cameron, and Alex B. Smith, of course, earlier. I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Wednesday, and we will see you next on Saturday at noon Eastern, and we'll preview game one of the Stanley Cup Finals on the Saturday edition of the Ice Guys presented by National Hockey Now. Mm -hmm.